Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Today, we're looking at private markets, considering why alternative investments matter, particularly in today's environment. The rapid shift from ultra-loose monetary policy settings to rising rates, combined with fears about the economic outlook, led bonds and stocks alike to sell off together. But while traditional equity bond diversification failed to protect investors in 2022, alternatives have helped dampen volatility and, in some cases, even produce positive returns in a challenging period for investors. While today's specific challenges will likely be resolved eventually, the events of last year show why investors need to think beyond traditional assets in order to help diversify, to generate alpha and to grow portfolios over time. Let's learn some more. We're once again joined now by Antoinette Zeidweg, Alternative Investment Strategist at UBS Global Wealth Management. Antoinette, welcome back to the programme. Great to have you with us. Let's start with a reminder of why alternatives are so important for investors, especially now. At the moment, it's important to have a look at the background here and to consider also that we have seen a very eventful first quarter of 2023, with, on one hand, uh, stronger than expected economic growth in the US, uh, faster than expected reopening in China, and confirmation that Europe had sufficient energy supplies to avoid sharp contraction. And on the other hand, inflation that is still failing to fall as quickly as we had hoped, and also, we were surprised by a bit of a sudden turbulence in the banking system, starting with regional banks in the, in the US, which also demonstrate that the higher interest rate environments are having some unintended consequences. So as an approach here, it is important to stay focused on the long term, to mitigate the risks, to manage opportunity costs, and seize attractive potential returns will will be among the key challenges for investors in the coming months ahead. So here, touching on alternatives, uh, we think alternatives can play a key role in seeking stability amid all this uncertainty and providing investors with the opportunity to diversify their sources of return. Yeah, and it's worth reminding our listeners, I suppose, as well, as well as this turbulent first quarter, these were the learnings of the last 12 months as well. It was very much the case in 2022, wasn't it, that the sort of traditional equity bond diversification, people talk about, you know, 60-40 portfolios meeting their match in 22. There were already a number of other factors, whether that was in, in, in monetary terms or whether it was some other broader structural changes that were also underscoring exactly the same point, that alternatives just have to play a, a key role going forward. Yes, exactly. So that really underlines here how keeping a long-term perspective can be relevant for investors and alternatives, and given their nature, are here also yeah, can here be very helpful in seeking a bit more stability and helping to keep your stability in your portfolios. Let's talk then about some of the challenges and the opportunities. I know it is interesting in, in the private equity space, uh, Antoinette, this idea of getting the timing right is something that investors and, and advisors indeed always come back to. Tell us a bit about the challenge and the opportunity when it comes to timing PE investments. Well, that's an excellent question. And with the current uh, environment and recent banking stress sending ripple effects across the financial system, 
investors naturally have questions about that and particularly about timing. So uh, while we don't see the health of the overall banking system at risk, and in our view, alternatives continue to offer attractive investment opportunities for investors looking to deploy capital and willing to accept some of the inherent risks, it is generally very difficult to time private equity investments as as investors cannot precisely time when capital is deployed or redeemed uh, from an underlying company. Current market conditions, however, could offer interesting entry points. So we recommend investors to continue to build exposure in line with the target asset allocation, yet to keep extra focus on selectivity and diversification across different strategies, which is of key importance. And also we continue to argue that investing capital in private equity in times of stress has historically rewarded investors with above average returns And we think investors should take advantage of current market conditions to build long-term exposure. Yeah, really interesting. And tell us a bit about, well, I suppose opportunities both in in private equities and in in private debt, because our listeners may be familiar with some of the opportunities here. If we look at private debt, for example, potentially higher income, lower correlation. Just remind our listeners, though, what, what some of the particular opportunities are in PE and PD. Well, absolutely. And I would also like to provide some some background here as some of the difficulties in the U.S. regional banks have raised questions about impact on alternatives. I would like to address here both venture capital and private equity and then also touch on private debt. And so first and foremost, venture capital, which was already under funding stress last year, is likely to feel further reductions in their funding options caused by the difficulties at U.S. regional banks that were significant providers for VC debt and credit lines. So we think here that uh, that entrepreneurs will have to accept lower valuations, which could be seen as a short to medium term risk, but also potentially create long term investment opportunities. However, investors should be more selective with capital deployment and focus on companies that have sustainable and credible financials and a clear path to growth. Generally, we prefer accessing growth opportunities through buyout and growth strategies over direct uh, venture capital exposure. And then if we look a bit more into uh, regional banking stress, this actually has a more limited immediate impact on other segments of private equity. So leveraged buyout-backed funds typically uh, bank with multiple top-tier mega-cap Wall Street institutions And these are generally well capitalized and have been shielded from potential contagion effects. Funding for LBOs has evolved with more options available to secure capital. And managers are increasingly relying on direct lenders as well as an alternative to banks. Here it's also important to mention that the high interest rate environment is also impacting the cost of debt financing to which buyout managers are adjusting by using less leverage and more equity financing. So we think downward repricing of PE multiples is likely in the coming few quarters, albeit to a lesser degree than uh, public markets and startups. And as stressed before, investing fresh capital in private equity in times of stress has historically rewarded investors with above average returns. And recent events are likely to prove beneficial for buyout firms who are still sitting on significant amounts of dry powder. In private equity, we currently recommend seeking exposure to value-oriented buyout strategies 
and secondary funds as recent uh, events are likely to accelerate transaction activity to the secondary market where both LPs and GPs are likely to seek liquidity events, which is providing opportunities to acquire quality assets at a discount. And also investors should not lose sight of long-term growth opportunities, particularly in themes such as the transition to the green economy, uh, rising healthcare needs and digitalization. And finally, we also see private markets as an effective way to gain direct exposure to infrastructure. And then regarding direct lending strategies, it is to be said that we expect some short-term volatility to pick up amid higher defaults. And return prospects, however, have improved amid higher yields and stronger covenants for new loans. And we do think direct lending strategies should prove more resilient in this current environment in line with historic norms. Direct loans are senior in the capital structure and extended to private equity-backed companies with recurrent cash flows and solid financials. The current environment could actually prove fruitful for direct lenders to take further market share as bank lenders pull back. Financial stress also offers opportunities for distressed and special situation funds to trade mispriced debt instruments, provide emergency and rescue funding, and help companies navigate bankruptcy processes. Antoinette, what about some of the risks in this space? Remind us what some of those key risks are and what do they look like? Investors should, of course, remain aware of the risks inherent to investing in the asset class. And these include reduced liquidity, some complexity, higher costs and longer lockup periods. And investors should seek exposure to long-standing managers with solid track records, experience in navigating these difficult environments, and also seek out those that are well diversified across strategies and geographies. And while doing this, investors should ensure their portfolio is in line with their target allocation and that they are comfortable with the risk mentioned earlier. Tell us a bit more then about, about hedge funds and how they're operating the space, how, how things are shaping up as we head into the second quarter. Uh, yes, we head into the second quarter. So also there, I would say it's important to mention that while hedge funds were not directly affected by the US regional banking stress, the access to funding, giving the high use of leverage, is an area to monitor on a forward-looking basis. And as of now, there's no indication of changes to margin availability or leverage or cost of capital. But we do expect most managers reviewing their operational risks and are likely to seek to diversify relationships to include banks that are less likely to experience financial difficulties. And this is most relevant for platform and fixed income uh, relative value funds than for other strategies such as macro funds, which usually trade liquid and listed instruments on margin. And we note that since the global financial crisis, hedge funds are using multiple prime brokers to help diversify and limit counterparty funding and custody risks. Also here from... Um, uh, let's say from a preference perspective, we maintain a preference for discretionary macro funds, uh, given their ability to take advantage of monetary and macroeconomic shifts, as well as higher volatility across asset classes. Macro funds are also typically focusing on trading highly liquid uh, listed instruments and thus are more resilient to potential liquidity pressures. 
Meanwhile, equity dispersion remains elevated, which is offering opportunities for non-directional equity uh, long-short strategies to generate uncorrelated alpha. And these are strategies that we see as good complements to traditional equity positions. And finally, we also think multi-strategy funds will continue to play a key diversifying role in portfolios. Antoinette Zeidweg, bringing us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance every week here on Monocle Radio. You can listen again and explore more at monocle.com. That's where you can join the club and subscribe to the magazine. You can also follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find out how UBS can help you by heading to ubs.com. This is The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening.